Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. To give us during the first service. I want every one of you to ask the Father right now by his spirit. Said, Father, grant me an encounter through your word. I want to go beyond the hearing of the word to the knowing of the truth. Lord, grant me an encounter through your word right now. I want you to say that. Lord, give me, grant me an encounter with you through your word. I want to move beyond the hearing of the word to the knowing of the truth. In Jesus' name. Father, as we have prayed, so let it be. Illuminate our hearts. Renew our minds. Let yokes be destroyed. Let burdens be lifted up. Let Jesus be glorified. Glory be to God. All right, look at somebody say, tell your neighbor, say, Jesus loves you. And that's a word for you. Hallelujah. Please kindly have your seats. I want to welcome you to the second service. Hallelujah. We're looking at the reward of the gospel. The reward of the preaching or sharing of the gospel. We'll preach the gospel through speaking and through our life. We'll preach the gospel by what? By speaking and through our lifestyle. People should be following Jesus because of you. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. People should be coming to the knowledge of Christ because of you. People should be wanting to follow God because of you. That's why you are destined to be a follower of Christ. You are to be in the light of the world. You are to reflect God to the world. The Bible says, he said, um, let your light. What is your light? The presence of Christ in you. Let your light so shine before men. So you are born again to shine before men. Christ is the light that is on the inside of you. You can't carry him and not shine. Except you are shading him. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. That's your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is a reflection of your submission to Christ. That they may see these good works and glorify God, which is in heaven. We are God's presence in the earth. We are the temple of God. If men are looking for God, they should come to, to us. Because we are the temple of God. Say with me, say, I am the temple of God. I didn't hear you. Say it louder. 
why are you the temple of God for the sake of just saying it? No, you are the temple of God because God wants to shine through you and I. The reason God lives on the inside of us is so he can live through us. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Now that same Christ is inside us. So God is inside us and wants to reconcile man to himself. Your life should be a testimony of the gospel. People should look at you and say, hey, I want to follow Christ. That's, that's, that's how powerful our testimony is. All right, so we started looking at the reward of the gospel. In the first service, we said the first reward of the gospel is to do what? To manifest the joy of heaven. What is the first reward of the gospel? What is the first? Can everybody say that? What is the reward of the first? What is the first reward? What is the first reward? Amen. To manifest the joy of heaven. And we said that the pursuit of the things of this world without an eternal perspective is vanity. Is that not so? Yeah. If all you do is chasing physical things, it's vanity. Because First Timothy 6, 7 says, we brought nothing into this world and we're not going to live with anything. So all the things you measure, you will leave them here. The only thing that can go out with you is Christ and what he has done. So if there is no eternity or eternal perspective in your perception and pursuit of things, you are chasing vanities. And we said nothing in this world can give us joy. Absolutely nothing. No amount of possession can give you joy. Because joy does not come from stuff. No amount of achievement will give you joy because joy does not come from stuff. Joy is a product of doing the word of God. And we said that when we got born again, the joy of God became resident in us. But for it to be experienced, it must be switched on. Is that not true? Just like if you want to use the light, what do you do? You put on the switch. Joy is present in us because the presence of Christ in us is the presence of joy. But we will not switch on that joy until we do what God says we should do. And we saw from the Bible that entering the joy or manifesting the joy of heaven is doing what his word says. Is that not true? And one of the ways we do his word is to preach the gospel. And God has created the, uh, the Great Commission. It's an opportunity to experience and to walk in the joy of heaven. Because when one sinner repents, the Bible says there is what? There's joy in heaven. Don't get too addicted to happiness and you don't understand joy. Some of you, what you're looking for is happiness. You want to be excited. And happiness is based on stuff, things, job. Physical accomplishment, connection. All those things are trivial. They are transiting. Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And what? The real reward of eternal life is joy. That joy is where our strength is located. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy 
of the Lord is what? A strength. And strength is the divine ability to withstand any pressure that is thrown on it and to overcome it. That's why when you have no joy, you cave in. Happiness cannot stand the pressure of this life. Happiness cannot stand the cares and the concerns of this life. It won't. Because happiness is based on the accomplishment of stuff. And when things are not progressing in that direction, happiness takes a vacation and disappears. That's why when a lady marries a guy because of money, they better pray that that money always remain there. Because if for any reason some vicissitude of life shows up and something happens to the money, something will happen to the love. I hope you know that. Because the love is based on the money. That's why one of the requirements we teach in our marriage class, one of the things we teach in marriage class is that know how to prepare for marriage. Many of us are going into marriage with fairy tales in our head. We have unrealistic expectation when we get into marriage. And when the things are not working the way we expect them, we get angry. We get angry with the man or the husband or get angry with the wife. Say, now so far you can't carry me, gone so far. And not knowing that's how the thing will be. That means you had, a, you had a view or a perspective of mind that has nothing to do with marriage. Before you got married, you were bubbling, and now you married, you are gr grumpy, always frowning your face, always boning. Why? Because you're not happy with your husband, you're not happy with your wife. The reason is because you went into marriage with a corrupt expectation. You thought marriage was going to make you happy, uh, joyful. Oh, no, it won't. That's why I say, look, when you want to marry, they put a lot on wedding. I want my dream wedding, dream, dream wedding, dream. Dream and wedding. It's a paradox. It doesn't work. Dream wedding. You wed according to your pocket. I hope you know that. If your father is wealthy enough to give you a state-of-the-art state wedding, let him do because he has money to spend. If your father does not have that amount of money, marry according to your pocket and according to your level. There's a brother in this church. He's doing well now. He married and the water they gave was pure water. If you will not drink it, drink your spit. Abi, if you come there, say, come. Now, pure water did he give? Why don't you go and buy Eva water and come and give? Because some people, they know how to recommend, but they will not pay. Say, now this, no, no, you go, you put pure water, aqua water, lysine. Buy it. Why I'm saying this is because if you want the whole world to set before you marry, you may never marry. I hope you know that. You may never marry. And the reason why people are having issues with marriage is because they've, they've mixed it up with a lot of unrealistic expectation that has nothing to do with marriage itself. That's the pressure on people. When you ask me, why have you not married? I never ready. What they mean is that they, they want this um, state-of-the-art wedding, social media wedding, so that they can make a statement to their friends. Say, you know, see my wedding. The thing enter. It's just one day. One day. And some people are going into debt. Owing big, go out, borrow. Borrow money to wed. Meanwhile, they could have managed it with their budget. 
Anything you cannot afford, you don't need it in your marriage with your wedding. Did you hear what I said? That's the name, that's the principle. Anything you cannot afford, you don't need it. If somebody tries to bring it to you, tell the person, get it behind me, Satan. I do not need it. Because if you go for what you are not ready and you cannot afford, you are introducing a pressure in your life. That's why many people are, are, are worked up. They are stressed. When I wanted to get my didn't stress you. Me, I told Uchi, I, I, I said, this is the money I have, this is the budget I have, this is what we do. Everything was kept within the budget. I told them, I'm open to opinion, I'm open to suggestion, as long as you can pay. If you can pay, bring it. I can enjoy it, just pay it. I will enjoy it, no problem. But if you, are, if you want to advise me, or you want to suggest, and the suggestion is not coming with money, swallow it. And I'm a very one-focused kind of person. One traffic. Bam, bam. Anything outside we, was, it was, was not inside. If it's coming inside, the sponsor must carry it inside. If the sponsor is not bringing it inside, stay with it and you outside. Anything you see in the wedding, you drink and eat. If you don't want chop, go your house, go chop. It's not by force. Must you eat? Eh? Just attend and go. After all, you are not paying anything. So just come. Anything you see, you take them. If you don't like them, not chop them. Just pray for us and go away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, because, because these are some of the... And, and, now you, and once you, you, are, you are not realistic in marriage, you will not be realistic in the marriage, in the wedding. You will not be realistic in the marriage itself. You start having all kinds of crazy expectations. And I didn't expect that this thing was... Wait, what did you think it was going to be like? I didn't, I didn't expect I was going to suffer. Really? You think... You don't even know what suffer is. If you know suffer, you will not use that word. All these are vanities. I will call them vanities upon vanities. We build a castle on things that don't even exist. A lot of people, you see them walking, what they have in their head is wild wind expectation. They're trying to hold the wind with their hand and it's not possible. Joy is the essence of living. And one of the ways God releases the joy of God in our life is through the Great Commission. There is joy in sharing. There is joy in being a blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is joy in being a blessing. That's why love gives. Love gives. When you share the gospel, when you minister, you invite someone to church, you are sharing the goodness of God. And I told you during the first service, the reason God lives in you is so you can tell the world about him. When, when people come close to you, they should know Jesus is alive in you. Even before you start preaching, they say, there's something about you. I want to know what it is. And everybody knows that about me. Not because of, well, if, if I don't tell you I am a pastor, you will never know. Because pastor is not a title. Pastor is a calling. I have a name. That's why I, I did, I coined Paru. So people can relate. Oh, so what's your name? I say, just call me Paru. I like it. I say, no problem. Oh, my name is Roland. You don't have to call me Pastor Roland. If you don't call me, that is no problem. Because Jesus' name was Jesus. 
Is it not? Jesus the Christ. He didn't say general overseer of the whole world. General overseer of Jesus, ancient of the all those on your is your is you, not him. In the old testament, all the names of God are all simplified into one name, Jesus. How many of you know that? Jesus, that's all. Bible says he has given us a name that is above every other name. The mistake you made was that you thought the name was only bad things. No. All the names of God are under the name of Christ. Do you understand that? So you don't need to know Hebrew. Even if you don't know Jehovah Sikino, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, that's why Jesus said, I am Jehovah Shalom. No, I'm Jesus. Everything you need to know is in the name. God's, the awesomeness of God is communicated in his simplicity. If God wanted to be mysterious, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. You know, somebody said, no, God is so, the ways of God are mysterious. That's not true. If he wanted his way to be mysterious, Jesus wouldn't have come and said, I am the way. If someone wants to be mysterious, there's no way. That means you can't understand it. But he, in the midst of that, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Why? Because God does not want to remain a mystery. He wants to be revealed. The Bible said the mystery has been revealed. And that's why Christ came. That's why the, the gospel is the best thing that has happened to man. The first reward is manifesting the joy of heaven. When we preach the gospel, when we invite people to church, you know what we're doing? We're switching on the joy of God. And I told you joy is connected to the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not in meat and bread, but in what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the first reward of the gospel is the joy of God. When you operate in joy, you operate in the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is our helper. So that means when I flow in joy, what am I flowing in? I'm flowing in divine help. That's the benefit of preaching the gospel. Now, we're going to look at the second benefit of preaching the gospel. Write this down. This will help you. The reason I'm sharing this is to equip you so you, you come to that revelation of what it means to know God and to share the gospel, to preach the gospel with joy. Write this down. The second benefit of or reward of preaching the gospel is walking in divine honor. Walking in divine honor. Everybody say walking in divine honor. I didn't hear you. There is human honor and there is divine. You know what Jesus was saying to the disciples? I think it's in the book of John. I can't remember the chapter, but one of the chapters. He said, he said you, you guys do not seek the honor that is from above. You seek the honor that is from men. There is divine honor and there is human honor. See, you are actually operating on the lane of vanity if all you seek to acquire in this life is human honor. That's why some of you are trying to please your boss. What you will not do for Jesus, you will do it for your boss. What you will not do for the kingdom, you will do it for your boss. 
And God is watching you. You're looking for the honor that man gives. But you know something? Write this down. Human honor is limited. Your boss didn't create you. Your job did not create you. So they cannot honor you the way you deserve. There is a, there is a due honor that God has promised your life. And you can only secure it from him. So the second reward of the gospel, of preaching the gospel, is walking in divine honor. Everybody say divine honor. The greatest honor on earth is the honor that comes from God. Write that down. The greatest honor on earth is the honor that comes from God. When God honors you, no man can honor you like God. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. The greatest honor on earth is not the honor that comes from men. Is the honor that comes from God. If you will understand this, that's why I say pray that God will give you an encounter from the word. The greatest honor on earth is the honor that comes from God. Write this down. We secure this honor by pursuing the heart of God. The greatest honor that comes from God, I mean the greatest honor on earth, sorry, it's the honor that comes from God. And we secure this honor by pursuing the heart of of God. How do we secure this honor? By pursuing the heart of God. Listen to me. As a Christian or a born again believer, you are entitled to the honor of God. But it's one thing to be entitled to something. It's another thing to experience your entitlement. There are works of faith to be done in order for you to take delivery of your entitlements in Christ. The operation of the honor of God is not automatic. It's activated by faith. And faith has a corresponding walk or action. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For faith without work is dead. It is true faith. You activate and engage what you are entitled to in Christ. And one of them is honor. Say, I'm entitled to honor. Say, I'm entitled to honor. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Everybody go there. The way we secure the honor that comes from God is by pursuing his heart. And if there is one thing every Christian must know, is the heart of God. If somebody comes to you and asks you, do you know the heart of God? You should be able to tell the person what the heart of God is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. When you walk with someone, you get to know their heart. If you don't know the heart of someone, you're not second guess and you start assuming. That means you don't know the person. One of the proof that you truly know someone is that you understand the person's heart. What is the heart of God? Is the heart of God mysterious? Sorry, no, it isn't. If it were, men would not have pursued it. Acts 13, 22. Can you open it, please? Acts 13, verse 22. Can we read it together? And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave, who gave this testimony? God. And said, what did he say? I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my 
own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Did you see that? If the heart of God was mysterious, David would not have followed it. You were created to pursue his heart. And, and pursuing the heart of God is the, the faith principle to securing his honor on your life. So what is the heart of God? Write this down. The heart of God is very simple. It's called the eternal purpose of God. The heart of God is where Jesus came to reveal that. Everybody go to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. Let's see what the heart of God is all about. When you understand the heart of God and you commit to pursuing God's heart, then you will activate his honor in your life. There are many Christians who are born again, but they are living a dishonorable life. Why? Because they are not after God's heart. They are after their own heart. God will only honor you in response to pursuing his heart. 1 Timothy 2.4. Can we read it together? Want to go. Who will have... Who will have... Is this some men? What does all men mean? Every man. That means male, female. I hope you know the word man in the Bible is... It's male and female. All men. All male and female. That's what it means. Bible is not sex bias. Man or man means male and female. So when it says all men, it means all male and female. It says, who will? Who will? The Father. Because in verse 1 it says, let prayers be made for all that are in authority. For kings. Is that not so? Why did God say we should pray for all men? He says, who will have all men to be what? To be saved. God wants all men to be saved. That's his heart. And not only to be saved, after they are saved, what does he want for them? To come unto the knowledge of the truth. Can we read it together? I want to go, everybody. Want to go, everybody. Who will? So what is the heart of your father? Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. That's the word discipleship. Discipleship is bringing men to the knowledge of the truth. What, and if you have come to Bible study, I'll tell you something. We said when the Bible said knowledge of the truth, it presupposes that there is a knowledge of a lie that is going on. Is that not true? Did you hear what I said? Satan invested a lie into creation through the transgression of Adam. Because it was a lie that made Eve fail. She was deceived. And deception is lie in operation. Through the deception, a lie was sold to humanity that you don't need God to do what you want to do. You don't need God to be what you want to be. You don't need God to achieve what you want to achieve. You don't need God to do, you can do things without God. It's the same lie that was told. 
And in order for man to be restored back to his original purpose in God, the truth must be revealed. And God has given the word as the vehicle through which the truth can be revealed to men so they can come back to him. So God's heart is that all men be saved and to come what? To the knowledge of the truth. Am I making any sense here? Our heavenly father does not want any man to perish. He said my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of the knowledge of the truth is the reason behind the destructions of men. It's not because of the devil. No, 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 no. The devil is only taking advantage of the ignorance. It's not because the economies are not favorable. No, 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 no. The reason why God's people are destroyed is because of the lack of the knowledge of the truth. So the gospel came packaged to bring salvation to men and restoration to the knowledge of what? The truth. That's the gospel. That's why it's the power of God that produces salvation for men. Everybody turn your Bible to um, Isaiah 5 verse 13. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 13. Are we there? What does the Bible say? Everybody want to go. Therefore, my everybody, let's read it together. Therefore, my people are gone into because of their uh, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. because of their village people all the all the witches and wizards from their father's village all the thing that their father dedicated them to is, is that why what is the problem oh no wait wait because your brother that is a commissioner does not call you again you cannot reach him or your brother that is a governor is that why 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 are they in captivity? Because they have no knowledge of the truth. Your disadvantage is your ignorance. Your advantage is your knowledge of the truth. Anywhere you don't know, you will always be... In fact, listen, blame everything. Blame, blame your papa, blame your mama, blame your brother, blame your sister, blame your uncle, blame your auntie. You don't finish now. Okay, nephew, cousin... Blame everything in his family tree. Blame, blame. Then after you finish blaming all your family people, now blame your neighbor. Blame your, your teacher. Blame your, your, your boss in the office. Then blame Nigeria. Blame, oh sorry, Buari has gone. Who is the no one? There's a no one. Tinubu now. Everybody's not putting. You blame, blame will never finish. Blame Tinubu is, is this. Blame uh, APC. Blame PDP. Blame uh, LP. Sorry, it's not a party. Blame Labour Party. Blame, 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 blame anybody. God has given his diagnosis. Men are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Men are in captivity and bondage because they have no knowledge. And what knowledge? The knowledge of the truth. And the gospel meets that need. And listen, listen. You may think that the things you're going through is because you don't have opportunities, you don't have connection, you don't know people in power, you don't... Listen, listen, and listen to me, and listen very carefully. Your disadvantage is not lack of opportunity. Your disadvantage is lack of knowledge. And you know the funny thing? Knowledge is the 
less thing many of us consider. We put less priority to knowing. Because if you understand that your premium need is to know, the way you listen to the word of God will change you. There are some attitudes in your life that are simply there because of the lack of the adequate knowledge of the truth you are supposed to have. Because what you do not know will always be your disadvantage. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Lest Satan should get an advantage. Paul was talking about forgiveness in first, Second Corinthians 2 verse 10. He said, who you forgive, I forgive. And whoever will forgive in Christ, we forgive them. He said, less, in verse 11, less Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant. What does ignorant mean? Lack of knowledge. We are not ignorant of his devices. And Satan's devices is established on deception. And I've told you, the only way to beat deception is through the knowledge of the truth. You cannot deal with deception through academics. That's why you have professors that are very intelligent, but they are still in bondage to Satan. Because hear me and hear me very well. What frees men is the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Say a good amen. amen. Any challenge you have, is because of a lack of knowledge. So the gospel has come. So God has given his heart to humanity through the gospel. Because the gospel itself is based on Christ. So the heart of God is Jesus. But broken down into saving all men and bringing all men to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart of God. Every will of God is to accomplish his heart, this heart of seeing all men save and come to the knowledge of That's the heartbeat of God. God, our heavenly father, does not want anyone to pray. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The heart of God simply reveals that God doesn't want anybody to perish. But people perish for lack of knowledge. So he gave us the solution. He gave us the gospel. Second Peter 3, 9. It says the Lord is not slack. Some people think God is slack. Say God is slack. No, he's not slack. It's not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness. But what is God? His long-suffering. The word long-suffering means he's very, he's enduring. God forbears. He forbears. His patience is very large. If God is impatient, the whole world would have been finished by now. But God is long-suffering. Gives man long-suffering. To us what? Why? Because, look at what the Bible says. I want you to sense God's heart in this verse. Not willing. Why is God patient? Why is God long-suffering? Not willing that any should perish. Any means God doesn't want anybody to perish. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not willing that any should perish, 
but that all. Somebody say all. all. Say it louder. All. all should come to repentance. The word meta, repentance means metanonia. It means a, a shift in your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So you may prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So the repentance there is for you to shift from your own mind to the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is through the knowledge of the truth. God knows the reason that thing is dealing with you is because there are truths you don't know yet. God knows the reason that you are going through that struggle is because there are truths you don't know yet. And it's long-suffering. So some messages sometimes, he will make you hear some messages over and over again because he's patient. He doesn't want you to perish. There are things you are supposed to learn. You have not learned it. Some of you are too impatient to learn. When a message is being preached and the sermon is more than 30 minutes, your brain goes bonkers. You start doing Tom and Jerry in your head. You don't, you don't focus anymore. Then you now start looking for something to distract you. You now they you are gone, you're finished. And you forget that your lack of knowledge is the reason for your crisis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What, listen, I've heard people use this religious statement. Say, so say, guy, you probably have heard it in motivational statement that, listen, do not disregard what you went through because what you went through is what made you who you are today. How many of you know that's a lie? How many of you know it's a lie? Say, so so your pain is your gain. Go and do it for exercise. Don't go and bring it into... Listen, let me explain to you. Your pain is your gain. Don't, don't, don't throw away your suffering. All your sufferings are part of the building block that make you it's a lie. What makes you is the truth. What you went through were product of your ignorance. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? So what you went through is the product of your ignorance and there is no way the product of your ignorance can make you. Rather, what you went through revealed your ignorance and your need for truth. Did you hear what I said? I said experience is the best. No, experience is not the best teacher. Experience just reveals your need to learn. And, and, and Jesus puts premium on learning. You come to church, you will learn. No word note. You're not writing anything. Bad learner. Then you go home and you face a crisis and say, oh God, where are you? God says, dummy, did I not tell you on Sunday? I've been talking to you for the last six months. You're not listening to me. You say, oh God, now, now, now you they talk like that. I say, of course, now me now. Also, now you they teach me through pastor. Say, it's me that's teaching you. That this, your ignorance is 20 years old. You need to listen so I can teach you how to think differently. What many of you are looking for that you call miracle, it's not miracle, you are looking for magic. Miracle is not just some spontaneous, uncoordinated outburst of the power of God. Miracle is a deliberate calculation move of God to advance his will in the life of his people. Are you hearing me? God doesn't waste miracle. 
And the day you got born again, you were born into the miraculous life. That's why the gift cause is called the walking of miracle. Because you have a part to play. And as you walk with God and do your part, miracles are bound in your life. Say amen. amen. God doesn't want... And what makes men... Write this down. What makes men perish is the lack of knowledge of the truth. That's what makes men perish. Why did the Holy Ghost come? That he might show you all the truth. Is that not so? That's his mission. Because until you know, the struggle continues. What did I say? Until you know, the struggle continues. And your lack of knowledge has consequences. Because if you don't know, the mentality in your head is also a product of ignorance. Your attitude itself is also the product of ignorance. Your behavior itself is also the product of what? Ignorance. Hallelujah. Some willing all should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now hear me. Christ, through his redemption, came to fulfill the Father's heart's desire. What is the heart desire? That all men be saved. And to what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. Before Christ ascended, he gave the church the ability to please and fulfill the Father's heart's desire. And that's a testimony. Because before Jesus went to heaven, he gave the church, me and you, the, he equipped us to be able to pursue the heart of the Father. He equipped us to be able to please the heart of the Father. Are you hearing me? And how did he do that? Write this down. He gave us three things. He gave us the message of the gospel. That's the first thing he gave. Go here and preach the gospel, which is the revelation of, of Christ and what he's done. Number two, he gave us his name. His name is his authority. His name is his authority, his place, his standing, his position. That's his name. Having the name of Christ is having his standing, having his position, having his authority, having his rights and privileges. Then he gave us his power. What are the three things Jesus gave us? He gave us the message of the gospel, gave us his name, and what? His power. He gave us the message of the gospel, he gave us his name, and he gave us what? His power. Are you hearing me? Now write this down. When we commit to the great commission of preaching the gospel, healing the sick, write this down. When we commit to the great commission, we are honoring the Father and He in return will honor us. Leave your seat. Go to three people. Say, when you honor Him, he will honor you back. Go to three people. Leave your seat. Leave your seat. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God Almighty. Write this down. Write this down. This just dropped in my spirit. 
Honor is not automatic, it is provoked. Write that down. Honor is not automatic, it is what? It is provoked. Honor is not automatic, it is what? It is provoked. Go to John 12, verse 26. Put it there. John chapter 12 and verse 26. Everybody? John chapter 12 and verse 26. Honor is not automatic, it is provoked. The reason that Jesus, the Father honored Jesus was because Jesus honored him. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Jesus could have dishonored the Father. Is that not true? But he honored the Father by submitting himself to the will of the Father and became submissive to the death of the cross. His dying on the cross was honoring the Father and the Father in return honored him. Is that not true? Is it not true? What did the Bible say in Philippians chapter 2? Can, can we go there before we go to this one? Let's go, go to Philippians chapter 2. Go to verse 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Everybody, let's look at what the Bible says. So you know that honor is provoked. There are things you do to, to provoke honor in your life. If you don't do them, the fact that you are entitled to honor doesn't mean honor will automatically speak in your life. Are we there? Look at the board. Let's continue. Let this mind, this way of thinking that is in Christ be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. And I want to show you that this mind, are you with me, is a mind of honor. What did I call it? What is the mind of Christ? Say the mind of honor. Some of you are not saying anything. Are you here? What is, this, what is the mind of Christ? The mind of honor. Now, go to the next verse. What did he say next? He says, Who being in the form of God, because he was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, because he was equal with God. Go to the next verse. But, this is what honor is. What did he do? He made himself of no reputation, took his God but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Do you know for God to become man is a demotion? Eh? You know that? For God to become man is what? Demotion. Because man is not like God. It's not, it's not in, in title like God. But for man to be, and the man he became was a man of sin. He had to identify. Even though he was born without sin, but for him to save man, he had to embrace all the iniquities of man. So that in itself is humiliation. That's where you get the word humility from. Go to the next verse. And what? Being found in the fashion as a man. God becoming a man. Creator becoming the creature. He humbled. The mind of honor humbles. Humbled himself and became obedient unto death. What death? 
even the death of the cross. You see, you see the way Jesus provoked honor. Now, watch this. In response to Jesus' mind of honor, what did he do? Go to the next verse. Wherefore, God also highly. Are you seeing that? So, when Jesus honored the Father, what did the Father do back? Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at, go to the next verse, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things and things in earth and things under the earth. Verse 11, and that every tongue should acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. That's honor. That's why today, the fact that the sick can be healed in the name of Jesus is proof of God's honor on Christ. The fact that demons can be casted out in the name of Jesus is proof of the Father's honor on Christ. Because honor speaks. So honor is not automatic. It is what? Provoke. Go to John 12 and verse 26, where we're looking at. John chapter 12 and verse 26. Are, are you learning something? All right. If any man serve me, what we just read was that Jesus served the Father through the death of the cross. If any man serve me, and if you're going to serve, you need to humble yourself. If you are conscious of your reputation, you cannot serve God. If you are conscious of your level, you cannot serve God. If you are conscious of you, your thing, what you want, you can't serve him. And if any man serve me, what, what should he do? Let him... So what's the proof that you serve Christ? You follow him. And where I am, that is the same place of honor that I am, that I secured by serving the Father and following the Father's will. He said, where I am, there also my servant. Who is the servant? The ones who serve me by following me. There also my servant shall be. If any man serve me, him. Finish the last statement. So what is the product of serving and following him or honoring him? Him will my father honor. So he doesn't honor you just because you are born again. He honors you because you serve and follow him. That's why you have a lot of Christians, they are not honorable today. Why? Because they have a sense of entitlement that is not backed up with works. Are you, are you getting this? Let me take it home. Write this down. When honor speaks in our life, it invokes the operation of divine favor. When honor speaks in our life, it invokes the operation of divine favor. When God honors you, he favors you. Did you hear what I said? 
I said, when God honors you, what does he do? He favors you. So, when honor speaks in our life, it invokes favor in our lives. Let me give you a practical example in the Bible. Go to Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 28, verses 9 to verse 10. The background story, go to Acts 28, verses 8 to 10. Acts 28, verses 8 to 10. Paul had been commissioned by Christ because you remember Jesus appeared to Paul and said, you will testify of me in Rome. Did you remember? Did you remember? Yeah, because he appealed when they accused him falsely of causing dissension in the temple and they almost wanted to lynch him to death. The, a band of soldiers rescued him and they tried several times to get the governors, Governor Felix, Governor Festus, to kill him. Remember? Yeah, but, but it didn't work. And, and Paul said, I appeal to Caesar, which is in Rome. And Jesus had appeared to say, say, say Paul, relax. You, you've, you've spoken well about me. Now, nothing will happen to you. You will testify of me in Rome. There, there were things about the gospel that Jesus wanted Paul to say in the presence of Caesar. So on his way to Rome, he was put in a ship that had several hundred criminals on board. Paul wasn't guilty, but he was set up. But behind the setup, the purpose of God was playing out. Are you hearing me? Now, on their journey to Rome, they had a storm. Paul, by the Spirit, told the, uh, the centurion that was accompanying them, look, I sense in my spirit this journey will be of great harm. Let us wait. But because he was, they considered him, in quote, a prisoner, they didn't listen to him. They ignored him. So they continued. He now listened to the captain of the boat. He listened to human experience as against divine experience. So they continued. And according to what Paul said, a crisis came and they were almost, you know, having a shipwreck, and some wanted to jump. Some of the, uh, the soldiers were telling the centurion that they, they should start killing the prisoners before they run away. But because the centurion loved Paul, he said, no, they should leave there. He said, Paul now warned them. He said, if anybody leave this ship, that person will die. Say, tell them to remain on board. Say, you'd have listened to me. Say, but don't worry. An angel stood before me this night and assured me that nobody in this ship will die. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, eat food, don't worry. He said, relax, everything is okay. All right. Now they started listening to him. But, but because of the crisis and the damage their ship had gone through, they now drifted to an island called Malta. When they got into the island, the people saw them coming. Obviously, they were one of the, they've seen several ships like that pass. So they wanted to make a bonfire. And Paul, watch this. Remember, Paul was on a mission of the gospel. Are you hearing me? In the eyes of men, he was a prisoner. But in the eyes of God, he was a prisoner of Christ, not men. Are you hearing me? You know, Paul called himself a prisoner of Christ. And if you look at it, we are all prisoners of Christ because we're committed to the gospel. So he was going in the name of the gospel. So the honor of God was on him. And he now went and gathered sticks to put fire. And while he was doing that, a, a viper, one of the most deadly snakes, that when it stings, the person can die in seconds because of the 
how deadly the poison is stuck around his arm. The thing stung him. <laughs> he just looked at it. He didn't do like African Christians. Jesus! Blood of Jesus! He just did like this. Shook it inside the fire. The people saw him and they said, Ah! This man must be a very bad man. The, the problem of the seed did not kill him. But what the evil he has done has followed him to this island. And the viper is the final store of judgment on his life. So they were waiting for him to die. Paul didn't make any show. He just made the fire, was busy warming, warming himself. They waited one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. The man know that. Remember what the Bible says. If you drink any deadly things, it shall not hurt you. And he said, you shall take up serpents. Is that not so? Is that not what the Bible says? And it shall not harm you. And when the people saw that, whoa, opportunity for the gospel. They said, this man must be a God. Go to verse 28. Verse 28. Chapter 28, verse 8. Chapter 28, verse 8. What did he say? Now, something that happened... Remember, one of the agenda of the gospel is that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? I'm not hearing everybody. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Very good. And it came to pass on that same island that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed, and what did he do? On him. And what did he do? And he healed him. Gospel. Go to the next verse. So when this was done, <laughs> what happened next? Others, uh, uh, my papa, they, uh, this is what they wanted me to, this is what everybody brought their sick. When this was done, others also, which had diseases in the land, came. And what happened to all of them? What happened to all of them? They were all healed. So the gospel was preached and Jesus was honored. God was honored by the gospel. Now look at what happened. Go to verse 10. Whoso honored us with many honors. And when we departed, what did they do? They laded us with such things as were necessary. Because they honored Christ through the gospel, God honored them. And when God honors you, he invokes favor on you. And that favor will commit the heart of men to you. Did you hear what I said? That's why, listen to me. When you preach the gospel, you walk in divine honor. Satan wants you to struggle under men. That's why sometimes when they announce uh, evangelism, you will never come. There are some of you I know in this church, from the day we'll be announcing evangelism, you have never come, not once. Not once. And you don't know that when you do that, you are evading opportunity to be honored by God. Can you see that in the Bible? Let me show you again so you know it's consistent. 
Listen, write this down. Committing to honoring God through the Great Commission commits the supply of the kingdom to honoring you. Committing to honoring God through the Great Commission commits the supply of the kingdom to honoring you. When you commit to the Great Commission, the gospel of Christ, the preaching of the gospel, you are committing to the supply of heaven. There are some prayers you will not need to pray because as you preach, you are praying the prayer. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I've, always told, I've often told people that majority of, if not everything that has been in my life, came because I'm a preacher. Not just a preacher because I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher for Christ. I've preached the gospel in some funny, funny places, in some funny spots, in and out. And I still do. The day you get to your Christianity where you become too big to preach, you become too big, too spiritually advanced to preach, something is wrong. What you are saying is that you don't need God's honor in your life anymore. As a member of the kingdom, we are entitled to the provisions of God's kingdom because you are a son of God. But we only assess our kingdom entitlement by doing what he has instructed us to do. The fact that you are entitled to something doesn't make it automatically yours. If you don't fulfill the terms of the entitlement, you will never get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Have you ever heard of people who are very wealthy who will leave their wealth to their children? They, because they are the children, they are entitled to their father's wealth. But their father will not put conditions. Have you, not, have you heard stories like that before? I had an uncle who was a friend to Awolowo, so tell you how old he was. Man was, was a very successful businessman, had money, wealthy. But the challenge was his children. The first son that he sent abroad to do first degree and masters met one American idiot. And just his head just went south. Until one of his friends was coming back to Nigeria one day. Guess what they see him doing in the airport? Helping people carry loot. Masters. So the father now told him, when he told the father, cried. He said, okay, come back. Now used his connection for him to get a job in a company. He flopped. Because the fact that you are entitled to something does not mean you are ready for it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because you didn't know how your father made the money. So just because my father left 20 million, oh yeah, give me the 20 million. You will blow the 20 million in two weeks. All kinds of irresponsible ideas will just be jumping inside your head. Ah, let us go to Paris. Fiam, you will go. Let us go to Australia. Fiam, you will go. Let us go to UK. Fiam, you will go. Let us go to US. Fiam. That, that's how you'll be going everywhere until the whole money will finish. Why? Because there's no character. You've not gone through the process of what it means to own that kind of money, not to talk about how to use it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It didn't end, though. The guy didn't do well. The other son, there's one other one. I don't want to call his name. My, my siblings know him. 
The school they sent that one, he went and joined court people. They said, smoking the bow. His head became smoked. Another one again, the same thing. And the problem with these children was not lack of fund to send them to school. If they wanted to go abroad to go and study, the father had the wherewith to send them abroad. It was the man I was telling you that when my father didn't have money to pay my wife, which was 80 naira. He told me, he said, no, I'm not getting money. Go meet your mama. My mother cried and carried me to worry. It was the one that gave my mother 18 naira to enroll me in Waiyek. That's the same man I'm talking about. And he built a fantastic house in Wari. That was his final place before he died. Now, before he died, he was in the hospital, and people said for three days he was crying in the night before he would sleep. What was he crying for? His children. So before I died, I called this friend that was a judge and told the friend, see, all my money that I have in output conditions. This, 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 this. So after the man died, hey, the man, the judge said, hold on. You cannot withdraw five kobo until conditions are met. Because when you give people things out of a sense of entitlement, they will abuse it. You need to have character to be able to spend. That's what's wrong with some of you children of God. You don't want to be accountable. You don't want to be submitted. You don't want to preach the gospel. But you want God to bless you earlier. You think because of grace, it doesn't mean I don't deserve it, but you reserve it. But you will not get it if you don't do it. Hallelujah. So all those kind, yeah, no, those are the kind of things you want to hear. But if you are not responsible, you will be an abuser of blessing. Did you hear what I said? All right. We can only access our kingdom entitlement by doing what we have been instructed to. Go to Matthew 6:33. Matthew 6. So you, it's in the word, it's there. Matthew 6, verse 33. Hallelujah. I'm almost rounding up. Matthew, are you learning something? Yes, Matthew 6 3. What did he say, everybody? Can we read it? But seek ye first. What does first mean? First is, means order of priority. Monday to Sunday, nothing about Jesus. Only you, your business, everything. Money tonight. They tell you, follow somebody. You can't do follow up. Come on, follow up. You can't follow up. Pray, you will not pray. You will not be in church. Anyway, you will not. You are always giving the excuse. Then say, oh, God bless me. God said, you're already blessed. He said, but why is he not working? Because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You don't have time for God. He said, seek ye first. What does first mean? In the order of priority. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The heartbeat of God, which is to have all men saved and come to what? The knowledge of the truth. So the first priority in your heart should be the heart of God. To have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As a matter of fact, the only reason you need a breakthrough is so that you can help, that, that breakthrough should help you meet the heart of God. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Many of us are not looking for breakthrough because of that. Our breakthrough has no inspiration or revelation from the heart of God. Our breakthrough is about promoting our ego. May they finally know, say, I don't blow. 
Who are you promoting with that kind of mindset? May they should have said, no, believe them. Say, my God, too. In fact, we've even enlisted God in our vanity. I will show. God bless me, make us show them. God doesn't bless people to show. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God blesses you to advance his purposes in the earth. Seek him first. Can we finish this? And what? And his righteousness or the promotion of his righteousness. Everybody read the last one. And? Read it now. Read it out. And? All these things. What are those things? If you read the other verse. The things the Gentiles are walking from morning to night. Things to eat. Things to wear. Things to put on. He said, I will add them to you. I want to ask you a question. What are you doing to advance the kingdom? What are you doing? Monday to Friday. What are you doing? Your social media is there. How many times do you share messages in the house? Or you don't know that's one of the ways you advance the kingdom? How many times do you take the post and the messages from the church and you put them on a platform, believing God that one person will read it and it will bless the person? Nothing, nothing, some of you, nothing. You just show up, you come, you come to church anyhow, and you just expect that this will work. It doesn't work. The mind of Christ is a mind of honor. And many Christians today don't have honor in their head. They want to cajole God. No sense of honor. Let me show you another scripture. Do you know that it's consistent? One of the ways we seek the kingdom is by committing to the commission, great commission. Um, go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, my final scripture. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 to verse 30. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 to verse 30. And I'm going to stop with that. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 28 to verse 30. Did I say Matthew? I'm sorry, Mark. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 to verse 30. I want you to read this. Are we there? Mark chapter 10, verse 28. May God give someone an encounter in Jesus' name. May God give you an encounter in Jesus' name. You see young people, from when I was growing up as a child, everywhere I go was Jesus. Ever since I knew my secondary school was Jesus. When I got to university, it was Jesus. It was while I was busy preaching, he just called me one day. You know, before I came, when I was to go to Futo, I thought it was Ifra I wanted to go. I told him my story. And, and he spoke to me. He said, you're going to go to Futo. I said, for what? He said, you're going to do something for me. You're going to start a, a fellowship because I want to accomplish the work. And do you know because of that, there are people who are pastors from that work today. Sometimes they really say, you don't remember me. I was in Futu. I came for one of your meetings. I am this. I am that. And I'm still having it tomorrow. Some of them all over the world. Somebody told me he saw somebody in Ireland or so. He said he was in our fellowship. And I don't remember everybody. But I asked God one question. I said, Lord, I said, why do you want to go and start another fellowship for Christ's sake? You are God. There are many, I caught some of the fellowship, Kassok, Christian Union, all of them. I say, you are God. Use, look for one guy there or raise somebody there and use him. Why bother go and start another thing? You know what he said to me? 
He said, the kind of work I want to do has the kind of heart that you have. That changed me and blessed me. What kind of heart do you have for God? Is he a heart that is after his heart? Look at what he said, verse 28. Are we there? Then Peter began to say unto him, because it takes a kind of heart to follow Christ. Can we rise up on our feet, everybody? Let's read it and we pray. Are we there? Can we really want to go? Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed. Now, it didn't mean their business closed down. I hope you know that. Eh? It didn't mean their family was not running. No. What he says that we're left on is that we have decided to make following you our priority. That's what, Jesus, that's what Peter was saying. We have left all and have followed you. Go to the next verse. What did he say next? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, there is no man that have left brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did it mean that Peter divorced his wife? No. What he meant, like, when he says we left all, it means my house, my brothers, my sisters, my father, my mother, my wife, my children, my land can no longer stop me from following you. That's what he was saying. That was you was telling him. He said, if you don't allow, and I, I don't know if you notice, everything he mentioned are familiar things. They are within our familiar domain. Is that not true? Personal. It's personal to us. So we have some emotional attachment with them. And what Jesus was saying that one of the first things that will stop you from following me is your emotional attachment. Those things that are very close to you, family connection, family attachment, family interest. Some of you are doing something, you are pushing yourself to deliver because you are trying to provide for your family or the responsibility has fallen on you to provide. There's nothing wrong with that intention. But everything is wrong when it overtakes you and no longer allows you to serve and follow him. What you are telling God is that I don't need you to help me take care of my family again. I can do it all by myself. That's the mistake. Jesus said, if you put all this behind you for my sake and what else? The gospel, which is to have all men safe and to come to the knowledge, to go to the next verse, see what will happen. He said, you shall receive. How many of you know that this hundredfold is honor? The hundredfold there is what? Divine honor. Say with me, say, hundredfold is divine honor. Say it again. Say it again. Say it one more time. What will happen? You shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. That means following me doesn't make you utterly useless. The very things you felt are not priorities. Jesus said, I will secure them. When you make me a priority, I will secure them. See the way you're following that business. That's not allowing you come to church and pray. Eh? you will end up losing it. 
Because why? You've made it a priority over Christ. But now in this time, houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, land. Then of course persecution will come. Why will persecution come? Because Satan will want to make you make them a priority. Your personal convenience and pursuit a priority. That's where the persecution is coming from. Satan will not want God to be there. He said, and in the world to come, you will have what? Eternal life. That means I'm going to reward you beyond here. I'll reward you here. I will reward you over there. I will reward you here. I will reward you over there. Lift up your hands and begin to talk to God. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. If after hearing a message like this, you should have something to talk to God about. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.